good to see everybody today. My name is Mike Bingaman. I have the privilege of being a member of this church. And I also happen to be uh, a member of a group within this church that has a special passion for reaching out to people who might not yet know Jesus. And within that group, we call ourselves Outreach, Evangelism, and Missions, or maybe it's Missions, Outreach, and Evangelism. We don't really know yet. Uh, we're kind of in between, kind of getting things together with, with that. Uh, but last year, we did something called Coffee Talk with Mike and Stu. And there's been such demand for that to return that it's coming back. Uh, this year, we're going to be focusing on something a little bit different. Instead of the case for Christ, we're going to be taking a look at this book here. Uh, this book is called I Once Was Lost. And it is not a book about apologetics. It's a book about what the contemporary society is like. It's written by two people with uh, lots of experience with inner varsity and lots of time spent listening to people who don't yet know Jesus. And what is it like for them today to make that step, to make those shifts from the very beginning of curiosity, at best, suspicion, also, maybe some woundedness? How do people make those steps from starting there with that impression of who Jesus is, with that impression of Christianity, and slowly, slowly, slowly walking towards the faith? Part of it is how to... Part of it is how to uh, talk with folks, but it's a lot of what you might call cultural exegesis. And it's got a very strong emphasis on listening. It's going to be uh, fruit for some great conversation, uh, some great empathy building. If you have been a Christian since you were born, if you were born into the faith, if you uh, have never had a day where you didn't know Jesus, this will help you uh, get into someone else's shoes. And that's good. Or, if maybe you're new to the faith, or maybe you yourself are not yet a member of the faith, we really want you there. We need to hear your voice. Otherwise, we're just, I don't know, pushing hot air around. <laughs> we, need your, we need you to contribute in that. Now, I think it is fitting that this book is called I Once Was Lost. Because that is what our gospel reading was about today. It was about a little man who was lost in his ways. Yet while the story of Zacchaeus conjures up all sorts of interesting images of a, a man who's short and wearing fancy robes and he's climbing up into a tree and no one else would, the story is far bigger than just a tax collector. The story is ultimately about the nature of God. It's a story that shows that God is one who seeks after his people who have wandered. That our God is one who seeks the lost no matter what other people are saying and no matter who is getting in the way. He reaches out and extends an offer of salvation to anyone willing to accept it. Let's pray. O oh, Jesus, who came to seek and save the lost,
and who reaches out to us no matter where we are or who we are. We pray that you might find us here today. Work on our hearts, O Lord, so that we might reach out with our souls and that you might pull us closer to yourself. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you this day. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And as Pastor Bob has said, uh, the story of Zacchaeus, I'm sure, is familiar to a lot of us. It's that story of the wee little man who climbed up in the tree because he wanted to see the Lord. And it comes at a point in Luke's narrative where Jesus is on a march towards Jerusalem. He is making some good headway there to get to that holy city, but he is making some pit stops along the way. And this story takes place in a pit stop in a town called Jericho. Now this is that same Jericho from the Old Testament uh, that the Israelites conquered with the help of a rather unlikely and socially unacceptable person named Rahab, who was a prostitute. Rahab lived in Jericho and had heard of the mighty things that the Lord had done on behalf of the Israelites as they were fleeing Egypt. And she was so moved by this that she became convinced that Jericho and the land that it was on rightfully belonged to them. So when the Israelites send two spies there to go investigate, she helps them out in exchange for protection when the Israelites enter the land and take over the city. And while those Israelites were there, there were even two men who showed up to her door seeking not to seek and save the way that Jesus does, but to seek and destroy. Thanks to the cunning wit of this prostitute, the two Israelites' spies survived. They escaped what would have been certain death, and they were able to complete their mission. Now, I bring this up today because in our gospel reading, Zacchaeus, like Rahab, is a socially unacceptable person in the town of Jericho. Now, lots of time had passed since the days of Rahab to the days of Zacchaeus. The city had changed quite a bit and had grown into a major uh, commercial area within the Roman Empire. And Zacchaeus had the role of chief tax collector. And those Roman tax collectors, as you might know, uh, they were not known for their scruples, not looked at too favorably anywhere during that time, except really in the Gospels. They did have a nasty reputation, though. They were seen as greedy and traitorous, that they were out just for themselves, and they uh, they would do some pretty, well, unscrupulous things. They were local people who were hired by an occupying force, an occupying government, for the job of taking money from the citizens. Now, the way the taxes were paid then is different than the way that we pay our taxes. Instead of individual filing and individual reporting, these tax collectors were given quotas. Romans say to the tax collector, we need this much money, and it was up to the tax collector to go out and get it. 
and they were allowed to determine how much taxes each individual was required to pay. And they did not need to give you warning in order to go and collect it. And there were severe consequences for not being able to pay it. So these people, they were skilled, but not skilled in a way that you want to be skilled. They were skilled in extortion. They were skilled in manipulation. They knew how people worked in that area and they used it to their benefit because not only did they collect the minimum, not only did they meet their quota, whatever they got on top of that went straight into their pockets. There was some great motivation to be pretty nasty. And here is Zacchaeus, chief among these tax collectors and a rich one to boot. Now, if the, if the gospel goes on to say that he is chief and wealthy, you might think that he's pretty good at being pretty bad, right? You might think that his list of friends would be even shorter than he was. Thank you. Uh, but picture what it was like for Zacchaeus. He's there among the crowd. And the crowd is too tall and he is too short to get a look at what's going on. And so he has to climb into a tree. He's forced to go do that. But surely Zacchaeus wasn't the only short person in the crowd. Surely there were others that were allowed to go through. But there's Zach on the outskirts. Deemed by those not letting him pass through as unworthy of catching a glimpse of Jesus. Now, most of the time when I hear this passage preached, the fact that he's willing to go ahead and climb that tree is taken as a testament to his character. You should be like Zacchaeus. You should go out on a limb and take, uh, uh, go do these things that no one else is doing to go catch that glimpse of Jesus. And I think that there's good interpretation being done when you hear that preached. I think that story of someone willing to take risks in order to have an encounter of God, with God is something that we should take to heart. But I wonder if there's another side to that. What would it really be like to be Zacchaeus? Why is he going up there? Here's this person who has probably done some pretty nasty things to these people. And now it's his turn to be rejected. He's not allowed to go do what he so desperately wants to do because of the things that he's done in his past. Maybe he's feeling guilty about it. And here he is also being rejected by the very people that he wants to belong to, that he is a member of, yet also perhaps not treating well. Maybe he's feeling hurt. Maybe the rejection of the crowd is getting into his soul. So maybe it was more than just a desire to go and step out and take these big risks, but maybe it was a desire to hide. When you're hurt, do you want to be around people who are hurting you? No. So he goes and he climbs up into the tree to get away. I can't help but be reminded of that story from the Garden of Eden. After the first people sin, 
They go and they hide in a tree. They go and try to hide from the Lord, but what does the Lord do? He goes and looks after them. He calls out to them. He asks, where are you? And what does Jesus do in this story? He goes and he seeks after that sinner in the tree. But instead of just saying, where are you? He says, I'm coming over for dinner. Now he invites himself into his home. He says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. And so Zacchaeus gets down from the tree and he welcomes Jesus gladly. Now, there were people in the crowd that saw this happen. There were those that were blocking that nasty tax collector from getting to the front of the crowd. And they were not amused. Our translation says that they began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, some translations, they use the word murmur. And that directly harkens back to the murmuring of the Israelites in the desert. To that uh, ungrateful chatter. Rah, rah, rah. At least in Egypt we had meat, they might say. And here we have like a, can you believe the company that he keeps? What kind of holy man eats with this tax collector, chief of sinners? But Zacchaeus and Jesus, they pay no mind to the idle chatter of the crowd. Zacchaeus, he gets up and he says, look, Lord, Here and now I give away half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. Zacchaeus is offering restitution for the wrong that he has done to the crowd, the very crowd that is whispering about him. Zacchaeus wants a change in his life. And he's willing to say goodbye to that lifestyle of sin and all of the worldly benefits that it gave him. And really, it can't go without saying that this restitution of four times the amount goes above and beyond what Jewish law required. It required only an extra 20%. But here he goes saying, that's not enough. I'm going to give back four times what I cheated. Jesus initiates this contact. And Zacchaeus responds by turning away from sin and turning towards Jesus. And this is where the key to the passage really comes in. It's a statement that Jesus makes towards the end of what we read today. And he says, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus declares salvation for Zacchaeus and his entire house. He declares restoration for Zacchaeus and declares him to belong to the children of Abraham so that he can be among the people that are giving him all those elbows. But even greater than that, is that Zacchaeus was offered eternal restoration. Jesus makes it possible for even this nasty tax collector to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that is the mission of Jesus. 
Zacchaeus was lost. Jesus found him. And Jesus restored him. But it seems like the crowd might have been getting in the way. Our reading from Ezekiel today talks about these shepherds. It talks about these nasty shepherds that were not doing their job well. How they were mistreating their flock. They were losing their sheep. They were even eating their sheep themselves. That was talking about corruption in the church. It was talking about the bad leadership, the bad shepherding that was taking place in the people of God. And it was that which led up to the exile to Babylon, and it was that which had led up to the destruction of the temple. And at the conclusion of that passage, the Lord says through the prophet, I will search for the lost and bring back strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Now this is fulfilled in the Old Testament as people are restored to the the land. But it is also fulfilled in this passage right here that we read today. Jesus is the Lord seeking the lost, bringing back the strays, restoring those who are beaten and broken down and weak. And Jesus brings justice towards the religious authorities whose self-righteousness hypocrisy, and legalism scattered the flock. So here we have three characters. We have Zacchaeus, the crowd, and Jesus. And I want you to reflect on two questions. They're similar questions. Which of these characters are you most like? And which of these characters is our church most like? Are you like Zacchaeus, a character with flaws and sin, perhaps a character with wounds? Maybe you're someone who's willing to do whatever it is, whatever they need to, to catch that glimpse of Jesus, even quite literally going on on that limb. Or maybe it's the other side. Maybe you've been so wounded, so plagued with guilt even, that you need to run away and hide and look on from the trees from afar. And if you are like Zacchaeus, when Jesus comes to you and says, I'm coming over for dinner, will you have the faithfulness to say yes? Are you willing to let him into your house, into your life, to say no to sin, to say yes to Jesus and accept the salvation that he is offering you. If this is where you are, you can let me know. You can let any Christian in this room know. You can let any Christian not in this room know. Uh, We'd love to hear what you have to say. We want to join you on that journey. We might even ask to pray for you. Or maybe you're like the crowd. Have your years of religion made you complacent? 
Do you look at some people and think to yourself, I just wish they weren't here? Another step, I just wish they weren't in my church. There's plenty of churches, just not mine. Do you see people like Zacchaeus? People who are wounded, people who are sinful, and do you block them from an encounter from Jesus? I encourage you to think deeply about this, to pray deeply about this. If you're being convicted, turn away from your sin. Move towards those needed changes in your life. Mind that log that is in your eye, friends. And take that first step towards your own repentance by declaring that this is a problem that you deal with. Or maybe you find yourself most like Jesus. Do you call for and extend your arms to people who are socially reprehensible? Are you willing to be with people who live on the margins of society even when the crowd is murmuring about you? Are you willing to be a member of the body of Christ and to join him in that work of seeking and saving the lost? And if you're giving yourself an emphatic, yes, I am like Jesus, I'm happy. Good for you. Uh, I'm excited for your confidence. Um, Jesus is who we want to be like. And there's no doubt about that. I do encourage you to be like Jesus, sharing not only in his boldness and willingness to go against the crowd, but also in his humility and gentleness. Remember that Jesus is the one whose love for a sinful world compelled him to go to the cross. So go. Go out and reach to the people who you know who are lost. Go and extend to them the redeeming and saving love of Jesus Christ. Make that reach. Take that risk. Just keep Jesus and his self-denying love at the center of it all, lest you yourself go astray like the shepherds. The Lord will help you on your journey. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, help us to examine our lives honestly and earnestly. Help us to reach out towards you as you are reaching out towards us. Lord, give us strength to take first steps of faith, fifth steps of faith, 500th steps of faith. Help us, Lord, to respond to your call in our lives. Amen.